morning. Happy Sabbath. Our scripture reading for this morning is from the, from the book of Luke, chapter 2, and uh, I'll be starting with verse 8 from the King James Version. That's book of Luke, chapter 2, starting with 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill toward men. Amen. Thank you. I have to say, it's really good to be back home with you. Great to be here. I find myself in the position every once in a while of, of uh, having a little prayer till the Lord says, please, dear Lord, have one of my pastoral friends need to leave so I can be with families again. <laughs> and uh, he was good enough to do that. I have to tell you, when I came to your church this morning, I saw so many wonderful things around me, so many wonderful people, and I have to... Uh, tell you that you're fortunate individuals and you've worked really hard to have that happen. Your church facility looks wonderful. It looks lovely. Looking around the grounds and seeing how the landscaping has gone all the way to the back and the beautiful park in the back and lovely things along the sides, it really looks lovely. I can see that your pastor, your pastor's family and Church members have done so much to make beautiful changes here. But the most important thing is I see a lot of new faces. I see a lot of new people, and I praise the Lord for that. Glad to have you all as a part of this family, and I know the Lord is continuing to be with you and do wonderful things. I'd like to ask you, if you would, this morning, just to bow your heads, and, and we'll invite the Holy Spirit to be here this morning. Our dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for loving and caring for us the way you do. You promised us the Holy Spirit, and today I would like to ask that um, you send that Spirit to be here in a special way, and um, that you be with me and make this time of sharing not be one of my own, but words from you. And we thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know about you, but the last few weeks have been pretty challenging in our family. And I don't think I'm particularly alone. There's a verse in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, that sets up a challenge for the Christians that is pretty big sometimes. It goes something like this. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. A few weeks ago, 
I got a call from one of our church members. He and his wife had been members here at Santa Clarita in the past. And he shared with me the biggest heartbreak that a family could ever go through. He had to tell me that his son was found dead on the grounds kind of over in Panorama City. You see, David had been shot twice in the back and one time just behind the ear. It didn't take too much imagination what was behind that slaying. The Mendoza's family were heartbroken. Rejoice in the Lord always. Sometimes that's hard to do. Hard, hard to do. But I have a confidence in my God. I have a confidence in the bigness of God to provide salvation for those who are most challenged in life. Sometimes parents spent years praying over their child, wondering when that day would come, when they got the call or the knock on the door, and the news that they don't want to hear. And yet our God never gives up. He chases like mad, doesn't he? And I have every confidence that the Mendoza family will see that son again and be with him in eternity because God's goodness and God's salvation reaches much further than our ability to understand does. And sometimes in the most difficult of situations, God is there. God is there. And the cry is always heard and the heart is always felt by God. But it's hard sometimes to rejoice in the Lord always. I think it was about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, when our neighbor's daughter, learning from past experience that Pastor Park can sleep through some of the loudest knocking that ever could go on, beat on our door and rang on our bell and woke us up in the evening. When we went down there, Andrea said, look over there, the fire's coming. You better get out of here. Some of you went through that night and morning together with us. And I can remember thinking to myself in my grogginess, what's important to take and what's important to leave behind? So I grabbed a few photos. My, gra- my wife grabbed computers and, and some clothes and we left that house, and on the way down the hill, which took us several trips because the important things in my life, most important is God, second most important is my wife, my children live a long ways away so I didn't have to worry, third important was getting all those cars out of our house. (laughs) So we made a lot of trips a few blocks away, and finally we said, that's enough, the police said you can't go back. And I said, Lord, whatever's left there, you have a plan for, and I'm fine with it. And we left the house. Boy, I'll tell you, I've never been in such a situation. The wind blew hard 
in every direction. I've never seen that happen before. Cinders and, and leaves and things were going through the air in every which way. I thank God for a neighbor who was our angel that night. He called us in the morning to tell us that our house was still there. He had put out three fires in our yard. Our front hedge went up, the whole side and landscaping went up, and a pile of my favorite car parts was gone. <laughs> and my wife, I remember him saying, you're an angel. Later on, thanking him for what, I, what he had done, and seeing our house still there, a little smoky, I thanked him over and over again. And he said it was nothing. I said, what do you mean it was nothing? You should have been gone. He told me a little secret. All his life he wanted to be a fireman. He had applied several times and was turned down. And that night he had the time of his life <laughs> running from house to house putting out fires. We looked around and we saw that God had a plan that was special for us because six of our neighbors lost their house completely. And two right across from us were burnt so badly they can't be lived in until they're repaired. God had an interesting plan, but he taught me that nothing on this earth was all that important. There's nothing we have that couldn't go easily as long as we had him, and we'd be all right. Now, God's job wasn't over yet, because I'm sure there are some people in this congregation today that have felt the loss that we have felt. Not so much from the house, but our economy has shaken us too. My wife has had some real challenges. And like so many pastors, we depend on the wife's income more than we do ourselves. So we found the last two weeks especially, we were tussling around trying to figure out how we were going to save it, and what were we going to do, and how God would get us through this all. And I didn't feel worthy of doing this. When I looked at my neighbor's house, I thought, what do I have to complain about? But we had paid for insurance, so I thought, let's give it a try, and I gave them a call. And sure enough, they sent a jester out, and they walked through our house, and I thought to myself, if I just had a little bit out of this, I'd be surprised. And when they got done, I got a phone call. And they had a number that they said that they would give us that was way bigger than anything I ever expected. And I said, praise you, Lord. Praise you because you've answered our problems, at least for now. Now, Lord, could you kind of work on next year? Maybe another fire would be good. God is good, isn't he? And he kind of keeps trying to teach me every day a little bit about rejoicing in him 
when it's really, really hard at times. I thought this week, what does rejoicing have to do with the Christmas experience? And I began to think about that so much because we're facing another challenge in life, one that all of us will go through if we don't live to that day that Christ returns and seeing, see him without ever seeing death, all of us are doomed to face those final days here on earth and to look forward to something special afterwards. And I was trying to think, what is the commonality between rejoicing with God and that quiet time in Bethlehem so long ago when that child was born that was so special. Well, we've got so much to rejoice about. So much to look forward to. I got a call about, about the same time the fires hit from my mom. My dad is a veteran of the Second World War. And like so many of those veterans, they went through times that is hard for me to understand because I was going to school even through the Vietnam experience. I didn't have to go. Dad went. Joined the Navy. He became a pilot. He served in the Pacific as a flight captain on a PBY. Shot down twice, quite a story. Came home to a wife and a little boy. So much of dad's life is something that I don't really quite understand. Worked two jobs and went to school at the same time to finish his education, provide for his family. Loved his wife more more than I probably will ever really understand and, and know. I love my wife deeply, but I never saw my dad and mom ever argue. They never did that in front of me, and I never heard it through the door. And boy, my wife and I have some dillies, don't we? <laughs> Dad was always willing to do what mom wanted him to do. Even in later year, in retirement, mom had a goal, and she wouldn't relax until she got dad to go on with it, leave his practice, move up north, retire, and live fleeing from the the cities. (laughs) And there they've spent building a small little house out in 20 miles from town, going through some epic snow snow experiences. Four weeks ago, Mom said, Dad has a time of his life. He's going to Portland, and he's going to meet all those men in a reunion that flew and went with him to the Pacific. She called me to tell me that Dad found an individual there who was still alive, who had served on his crew only once, but once, and was with them when they were shot down one time. Dad was having the time of life, came home, 
slipped and fell and broke his hip. So she called me from the hospital and I went up to spend time with dad and he has not done well. They call it a failure to thrive. <laughs> and now I find myself thinking about leaving tomorrow to go with dad, perhaps the last time that I will see him alive. Rejoice in the Lord always. Sometimes hard to do. And yet, even in this experience, I can look back on the life of my dad and say, Dad set a marvelous example for me to live up to. And when he goes, I can see him going with full assurance, I will see Dad again in the heavenly kingdom. That's worth rejoicing over, right? For I know that the God that loved him deeply was the God he loved too. Sitting him with in the hospital, he made a remark that was a little bit off, and I thought, Dad, where's that coming from? He said, Son, death isn't all that bad. A lot worse things could happen. <laughs> well, Dad, you're leaving a wife behind that has been devoted and loves you dearly and is going to be lost without you. What do you mean? He went on to explain, and later on I was talking to him about faith and his background growing up in the, uh, the Southern Baptist Church, their concept of living with grace and assurance of salvation, sharing with him that I believe that we have that same assurance. But I, I said to him, Dad, you know, when you, when you look back at your childhood in the, in the Southern Baptist Church and then being baptized into the Seventh-day Adventist Church, being an elder in many churches, head elder in some, must have been some things that seemed a little odd to you, Dad. <laughs> and his response was, well, son, I just wanted to do what was right. I just wanted to do what was right. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Loved ones, we have so much to rejoice in. For the tie that I found between the Christmas experience and the reason to rejoice is the reality of Jesus Christ having valued us so deeply and loved us so much that he's put us above all other things so that we can look forward to the time when he comes again and we can, can experience his presence forever and ever and ever. There's a song that I'd like to share with you today that has words that makes it possible for us to understand how much God really loved us. And I hope I can do this song justice because it's a beautiful song about a beautiful concept and a beautiful God. It's entitled, Above All. I'd like to share it with you. 
above all powers, above all kings, above all nature and all created things, above all wisdom and all the ways of man. And you were here before the world began. Above all kingdoms, above all thrones, above all wonders this world has ever known. Above all wealth and treasures of the earth, there's no way to measure what you've earned. Crucified, laid behind a stone, you lived and died, rejected and alone, like a rose, trampled on the ground, you took the fall, and thought of me, most of all. Above all powers, above all kings, above all nature and all created things, above all wisdom and all the ways of man, you were here before the world began. Above all creatures, above all thrones, above all wonders this world has ever known, above all wealth and treasures of the earth, there's no way to measure what you earn. Crucified, laid behind a stone, you lived and died, rejected and alone, like a rose, trampled on the ground, you took a fall, and thought of me, above all. Crucified, laid behind the stone, you lived and died, rejected and alone, like a rose, trampled on the ground, you took a fall, and thought of me, above all. Like a rose trampled on the ground, you took a fall and thought of me above all. Isn't that true? 
it's wonderful to know that the little child born in Bethlehem so many years ago loved you so deeply that he placed each one of you above any consideration for himself. He lived that way all the way through. In fact, I saw a cute little cartoon this last week that showed the family of Jesus. It showed mom and dad and the halos above their heads. And then it had Jesus, the child there with a halo, and it said Jesus teething, and he had the halo, the halo in his mouth. That child thought of you as he grew and developed. That child thought of you as he began his ministry. Those disciples he selected were disciples that were selected because they lived the kind of life that would make the stories that would help you understand him to a better degree. And they're the kind of people that once they got the dream and the message and saw the kingdom, they would share it with the last breath of their life. He lived through hard times without a home of his own, and you became his family. And then he went to the cross and carried it to its end and its place. And hung upon the cross that I should have hung on. Perhaps you feel you should have hung on. To take my place. So that I may experience. His kingdom. The one he deserves. But I will live in with him. And he was resurrected partly to show me that he loved me enough that he would do it for me too. And you too. He placed us above all. And that fits perfectly the theme of Christmas. And now we can rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I'd like to invite you in closing just to kind of bow your heads and listen to this last song and imagine you were there that wonderful day is described in our scripture and the one described in this song 
silent night, holy night. God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>